welcome back to another installment of the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today I'm joined by Jim McGrew. Jim is the Chief Client Services Officer at Ogletree Deacons. He oversees the strategic marketing initiatives of the 800-plus attorney law firm with 52 offices throughout the U.S. and in Europe, Canada, and Mexico. His client services department includes marketing, business development, public relations, events, publications, website, social media, and other functions. Jim, it's great to have you with us today. Perfect. Thanks, David. Nice to be here with you. So, Jim, tell us a little bit more about your firm. I gave a very, very high-level overview of you and your department, but uh, what would you like people to know about Ogletree Deacons? Yeah, well, as you said, we're a labor and employment law firm. We represent management in the full range of labor and employment law matters. We have about you know, 830 or so lawyers throughout our 52 office uh, footprint, and we have uh, offices throughout the United States, and we also have some offices in Europe, Canada, and Mexico. So we have a total of 52 offices, as I said, and we cover you know, all aspects of labor and employment law for management, including you know, employee benefits, workplace safety, immigration, and other matters. So that's a lot of offices and a lot of functions. How big is your team? So my team in client services, we have about 36 people, uh, and we're spread among about 11 of our offices with a real concentration in Atlanta and in uh, Los Angeles or our Torrance office. As many marketing departments, we've experienced a good bit of growth over the years. Yeah, I'm sure. You probably brought in several people into your department, some of them experienced marketers, some of them are perhaps earlier in the game. What do you find that you tend to give them in terms of advice and tips and getting not only onboarded onto the firm, but really uh, being successful marketers and business developers at Ogletree? Yeah, so I think, you know, David, I think the first thing that I really focus on is just being customer service oriented and how important that is in our environment, you know, because we service both our attorneys and our clients. And so you've got to be somebody who really enjoys uh, doing that. And uh, I think that's where I sort of start with that. And then and secondly, I think the, the best advice I give them is, or, or key advice I give them is to really try to make yourself invaluable uh, in whatever role that you're in. And you can do that a bunch of different ways, right? You can be, you know, first be incredibly responsive because, um, you know, lawyers and clients, of course, that's you know, one of the top things that they look for. And then you know, secondly, I tell them to you know, be a problem solver, be a person who will solve a problem and you know, finish a project, take ownership of it, and do a great job, and, and be willing to take ownership of any area that needs help, even if it's not in your area. I think you know, that's the folks who really, I think, do ter- terrifically well are ones that are willing to help in every area. And I think those are some of the key areas. I also uh, talk to them a lot about you know, make sure you cross-train. You know, whatever your department is or whatever your area is, if you're in PR, for example, make sure you try to get some, spend some time in events or publications so you can understand how they relate. You can develop new skills. And I think, you know, related to that, I talk a lot about, you know, making sure you stay up to date on, you know, technology, innovations, and constantly enhancing your skills. And I think, you know, if you're a junior to mid-level marketer and you're doing those things, you can really you know, make yourself invaluable and really important. And I think that goes hand in hand, of course, with making sure you take time to understand the firm's business. You know, really try to learn everything you can about what the firm's doing. And, you know, doing all those things, I think you get to the point where, you know, you kind of create your own internal customer base and you really become, uh, like I said, invaluable. So I think that's kind of what I try to focus on when I'm talking to uh, the junior and mid-level folks. That's great. I want to underscore a couple of things that you said here. First of all, I thought it was very telling that you began your answer with customer service being the first priority there. 
And I also noticed that your title is not chief marketing officer, chief business development officer. You're the chief client services officer. So clearly there is a conscious effort on the firm's part to underscore that aspect uh, of marketing and business development. Can you speak a little bit more to why that title, why you call it the client services department and how that ties into this concept of customer service? Yeah, so we've called it the client services department uh, forever because of the focus is really on uh, client service. And, you know, when I mentioned customer service, I had the opportunity for years to work uh, in-house with Emeril Lagasse, the television chef. And, you know, one thing I learned about from him was that it's all about customer service. He was just really focused on service for the customers and making sure they have a great experience. And I thought, you know, that really translates to the law firm environment. That's really, even though we call it client service, it's really just great customer service. It's making sure your clients feel appreciated, that you're solving and anticipating their needs and all that. So to me, that's what it's just all about. And so we talk so much about that. And then with respect to you know, my title, I was the chief marketing officer, and we thought, you know, it really, uh, being chief marketing officer, we felt like giving everything that we do here, that it really made more sense to call it uh, the chief client services officer because we're doing more than just marketing. We're doing client service. For example, I do a lot of our... Uh, I do our client assessments. We do a lot of uh, client assessment surveys. And so we just thought it made more sense to focus on that. Not that there's anything wrong with the chief marketing officer title. That was a great title as well. But we just, after talking about it, thought that make, might make some more sense in, in, our, in our environment to do that. Very good. And you talked also about cross-training being a priority. What do you do to foster that cross-training? Is it really just encouraging your team to get to know others? Or is there something a little more structured in terms of understanding their functions and walk a day in their shoes, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think what we try to do is look for opportunities to give people the ability to cross-train, particularly the junior marketers, but also, you know, folks as they develop and grow and uh, into management, et cetera, I really try to get them to spend time together because so much of what we do is collaboration and working together. And I'll give you an example of that. So we do a bunch of events around the, our, our system but particularly we do some very large client events. We'll have our events teams working those events, but we'll have pretty much our entire department at some point working some aspect of that event from training all the way to attending and learning all the aspects of it. And that gives them an opportunity to learn. You know, you may be a graphics designer, but you may also be working a booth at the event or you know, doing other things at the event. So it allows you to cross-train. You know, you can't obviously do that in every scenario, but we really look for opportunities. I think it just helps people. It seems like uh, people really, you know, enjoy that opportunity to do not just what they are really focused on, but also to learn. It helps them understand better what their colleagues are doing. It also helps to avoid the siloing that we sometimes see in other firms where one department claims ownership over something. They don't really understand how the other department might be involved in it, or they don't have enough appreciation for the amount of effort that goes into the support that really they are getting on some level, but perhaps they feel it isn't enough. I mean, again, that sort of subjective mindset is likely to occur when you don't have this kind of cross-training. I applaud your emphasis on this. I think it also makes for better rounded marketers. People who work at your firm are more likely to have a more robust skill set on various aspects of marketing and business development as opposed to a firm that perhaps is a uh, a little more categorized in its approach. Yeah, we have sort of a, a no silos rule here in my department, which we kind of like and uh, the, you know, we enjoy. I, I had our recent uh, client services uh, department meeting. I had, a, I had an image that had silos with a, you know, the, the band sign over it because we really don't want to have that because that 
for so many reasons, as you said, it's just not it's not great. If you at least that's in my my view, it really helps if you can break down the silos, really help each other out, really understand what each other's needs are, pitch in and help. Uh, those are, if you can foster that environment or have that environment, that's really great. So that's what we strive for. So speaking of fostering an environment, you talked earlier about customer service, and of course, the primary customer for a client services department besides the client is the lawyer him or herself, right? So how do you work with your lawyers to foster the right mindset, make sure that they're pursuing the objectives that they need to pursue, not only from a legal perspective, but also from an entrepreneurial one? We're growing the firm, nurturing key relationships, not only existing clients, but also prospective ones. Good question. From the marketing department or the client services department, I think it really starts with, you know, we have to be really effective marketers for our lawyers. They have to know that we're here and that we're here to help. And so I think it's important for us to to really strive to have and maintain a high profile, you know, and be known as people that can help them and can solve their problems and give them really good strategic and day-to-day advice. So I think it really starts with that and making sure and how to do that, of course, is all the things that we all as marketers do. But really, we do lots of training and provide tools for our attorneys. And I think that's kind of a start to show that, look, we can we can help. And then, you know, I think it with respect to how to fostering the mind right mindset, you know, as we all know, there are some lawyers who really get marketing and business development and love it and others who aren't as comfortable with it. And, of course, marketing takes away from their billable time, but, of course, it's invaluable for their development. So what we try to do is, you know, demonstrate to our lawyers the value of each opportunity. You know, we try to make sure, for example, we offer them a sort of bang for the buck when they agree to participate in an initiative, for example. You know, if they agree to do a media interview or a speech, you know, we look to provide multiple additional marketing opportunities from that one. You know, it may be a media pitch from a blog post or adding a webinar to that or other opportunities so they can see multiple ways in which the opportunity that they took, whether it's a speech or some other thing, where we can give them lots of bang for the buck, give them several hits or media opportunities, et cetera, just from the one opportunity. I think that's one area. And then I think it's also important to try to help the lawyers, you know, look for appropriate opportunities based on their practice level and experience. You know, obviously, you know, a senior-level, well-known shareholder with a full book of business pack schedule might not have time to do a, a certain smaller speaking opportunity, but it might be great for a, a junior shareholder or associate uh, looking to start building a book. So we try to work with them on making sure they find opportunities that are good for them, you know, that help them in their practice. Sounds like your team tees up client development opportunities for the lawyers, empowers their lawyer profiles, trains them on key skill sets, but more importantly, communicates the leverage that they are providing to the lawyer so that it really speaks their language, right? These are people who are really invested in being efficient, making sure, as you call it, that bang for the buck factor is there. If they're going to take time away from the billable hour, it better be time well spent. And if your team is constantly coming back and saying, hey, we also did this for you, and we did this for you, and we did this for you, it makes it that much easier for them to make the next ask to take them away from a billable hour so that they get involved in an initiative that your team is shepherding. It sort of generates excitement too, right? If the lawyer drafts a blog post but then finds that it was picked up by another publication and next thing you know, they're getting a media opportunity or something. And, you know, it generates excitement. It shows, wow, that, that's worth my time. And so I think that's what we try to do is really, you know, help them find opportunities but also provide some tools for, you know, helping them execute opportunities along the way, whether it's checklists or all the different things that we as marketers provide. And then we try to do training 
um, and relevant content at our you know, attorney retreats and other meetings on this topic so that they can see what marketing is doing, client services is doing, and how we can help them. And I think doing all that helps them. And, we, and when we do those, we try to get really uh, well-focused uh, business developers on those panels, et cetera, so that people that are credible and have experience. So that, and by doing that, I think it sort of generates an excitement and acknowledgement of and a, an awareness of, wow, this is what you can do and this is how you can do it. But uh, you're, that's a really good question because it really is important to foster the right mindset among the lawyers. Well, and the lawyers clearly resonate with it. I mean, you've been at the firm for, what, 10 years? I mean, you're, something you're doing is working over there. Well, I hope so. I mean, we have a lot of fun. And we're very lucky. Uh, I've been here, I guess, coming up on nine years. We have a, you know, we're lucky we have a, a firm that's very progressive and really supports uh, our group and our, our department and, um, and allows us to have some fun. And so that really helps. We try to bring in folks that are really passionate about what they do. And really, we like to, we, <laughs> I keep saying we like to have fun. We really do. We, we like to just enjoy it. It's a fun area for us to uh, work in. Well, fun is good, but ultimately the firm is going to be looking at return on investment. So I'm curious to know, what do you do to try to tie your department's efforts to a financial ROI? Yeah, well, that's another really good question. Of course, that's uh, for all of us uh, marketers, that's the key thing. You know, I think one, one thing is any department like ours, we can measure our success and the firm's success on RFPs and pitches, which is, a, you know, obviously a huge area. For a firm like ours, we get tons of those uh, in, in uh, labor and employment. And being able to measure that is one really critical way to demonstrate ROI. In addition, you know, we have numerous areas where we can view metrics, whether it's our, we probably do 50 to 60 webinars a year, our numerous events, uh, you know, website and digital advertising metrics, and tracking media hits, and so on. There's lots of metrics that we can look at to see what's happening with our materials and, and whether it's, it's resonating and that sort of thing. But, of course, tons of that we get in terms of demonstrating the ROI is just based on the numerous con comments and feedback we get from our clients and in our client assessment surveys. I, I think I mentioned we happen to have a, a very robust client assessment survey program where we do a lot of in-person assessments. And so we get a lot of feedback on what's important what they like and what they prefer to have, et cetera. So obviously, we're always looking for the best way to demonstrate uh, ROI, but I think that that's, that's generally how we do it. When the clients articulate that they're pleased with the firm, that's the best ROI you could hope for. It may not be a scientific metric, but uh, certainly it's one that says that your department is doing all the right things. That's, uh, as we said earlier, the ultimate customer, right, is the, the client of the firm itself. Yeah, and they give you, you know, we get just really great feedback. I mean, in addition, when, when I do, I do these client assessments myself, and then one of our former managing shareholders does as well. But when I do them, I, in addition to asking the, the questions about all the customer service, we focus specifically on things that my department does, events, publications. So we get really specific feedback on what they like to see and, and how we could change it or improve it or add new offerings. And uh, it's really cool, actually, to, and to see you know, when you come back and say, hey, they love this or they have some ideas for us. And so I think, to me, I think that's really that sort of voice of the client is really helpful and impactful. You know, and, and of course, the attorneys love to hear it as well. Have you been able to institutionalize this initiative such that the lawyers are all comfortable with the idea of you or the managing shareholder speaking to their clients? Or do you still encounter some of the don't talk to my client 
phenomenon that we see so often at firms? Very rarely, you know, because we've sort of we've been doing it here for such a long time, and we then do a lot of training based on those interviews, and they see how important and helpful they are. So we really have had really good acceptance of that program, and it's just kind of part of the fabric of of what we do, you know, just kind of this whole customer service mindset that in part of a, a great customer service mindset is finding out what the customers think, right? And uh, yeah. And so for us, we've been fortunate just over the years, been able to really work on and develop the buy-in. So we're in a good place there. We get a lot of good info on it. So it's helpful. Well, I think that's, I think that's an important note for those who are listening today. You know, it's uh, one of those initiatives where you really have to stay the course, you have to stick with it. But I think you said something really key here, which is provide training based on that feedback, because then the lawyers not only see that the feedback isn't necessarily going to be negative or scary, but there's some direct benefit that they can get out of supporting the initiative. So I applaud the fact that you've been at it for as long as you have. And no wonder it's worked its way into the fiber of the culture. You've made sure that it's something that is not just a one-off initiative, but really a part of the way that the firm interfaces with the client. Yeah, and, and I think it, I do think it's it's important. It's it's helpful because you know with every interview you get, of course, you can break it down into short tips, right, for positives, yeah, and things to avoid. So yeah, you can break it down into just a short of here are three things that are really important, and and then talk about it. And because you know lawyers get really busy practicing and focused on their practice and, um, you know, getting that feedback, it just helps them, you know, understand. It's oftentimes it's everything that they know already, but it's good to reinforce. That's right. So what about you personally? Where do you go for feedback? Where do you go for innovation, inspiration, market intelligence, or understanding where there might be a new concept that you can bring back to your firm and make it just a little bit better? Yeah, you know, that's a constant challenge, I think, for us as uh, marketers. One is, when you said feedback, of course, I'd love to get it from our lawyers and ask for it, you know, how we're doing or what they like. And, and you know, lawyers aren't shy about telling you their thoughts, generally, I find. And, right. and uh, But I think for me, I try to just read constantly. You know, I start, you know, pretty much every morning reading, you know, daily newsletters from legal news and or, you know, industry publications, marketing publications, that kind of keep us up to speed on what's happening. So I think, you know, that's the first thing I would say is read constantly the business journals. For me, I try to focus on things that are substantive. Uh, I happen to be a lawyer also, so I like the substantive stuff. So I like to read information that relates to our practice, but I encourage all the folks in my team, the, you know, the leaders to really, you know, learn because the more you understand the business of the firm, the more we can help serve them. And then the more we learn about our industry, our skill set, the better. So I'm constantly trying to learn new stuff uh, so that I can stay up to speed on everything that's happening. I learn a lot from our our own conferences and webinars, and I would say to marketers, you know, attend those if your firm has them, you know, to the extent that you can. Even if you're just listening on a webinar, but you really can learn a lot. And then, of course, you know, foster relationships, as I said, with the business developers, practice group leaders, and clients. You know, they can provide a lot of information about what's happening in the industry and what's important. I think LMA uh, is a great resource, Legal Marketing Association, and has a great uh, conference. But there's lots of good materials there. ILTA, the Legal Technology Association, is another great place to learn what other firms are doing in terms of innovation. And, of course, groups like the Association of Corporate Counsel, you know, we sponsor it, and I know a lot of the other firms do Society for Human Resources Management, which is the group, you know, HR management. You know, all those areas that relate to your firm's business, you know, the more that we can 
understand and, and you know, in addition to our busy lives, but read all this stuff and, and stay involved. It's important, but I think particularly being up to speed on innovation is really, really important because you know, it's changing all the time now, how we can yeah, that's right. serve our clients. So that's key. Well, Jim, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and spending this time with me. It's been a pleasure getting to know you better and seeing how you're running your department. I wish you all the success at Ogletree, and I look forward to uh, sharing this podcast with our listeners. Great. Thanks for having me. I sure enjoy chatting with you.